0: It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Hello, everyone. This is Ken Monroe with Bot Radio Network, here to let you know that Mr. Bot and Rich Bot are at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention this week in Nashville, Tennessee, and they've made the decision to repeat the sin of silence broadcast with Dr. Lawrence White, and this has been the program that is our most requested complete story that we've had this year, and we wanted to re-air it again for you now. So here are Mr. Bot and Rich Bot.
1: Well, dear BRN family, uh, your listener comments uh, really mean a lot to us, and uh, when we read the transcripts, we really take them to heart, and several uh, recently have said the sin of silence with Lawrence White is such an important program, I would love to hear that again. And they mention that over and over again. But the sin of silence is a pastor speaking. Uh, Reverend Lawrence White of Houston, Texas, it's a pastor speaking. Maybe that's what our listeners feel the need for. What say you, Rich?
0: About the sin of silence. There are things in the world today that you can't be
1: silent you about. Know, I want each listener to think carefully. What have we, America, gotten ourselves into? Man, the tangled web that starts with the word choice, the tangled web that one thing connects to the next, to the next, to the next. Now, in 1992, this was after the Summer of Mercy in Wichita, Kansas. Was that meaningful to you and me, Rich? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Why? Why was that meaningful?
0: Well, the Summer of Mercy, that was when they were rescuing babies that were sentenced to death that day. Because
1: there in Wichita was the third trimester abortionist, George Tiller. And man alive, all of a sudden, here it was. And, um, and so you and I went down there just to cover the story, just to tell our audience what it was all about. But then we aired it, and there was a policeman and his wife in Illinois that I suppose heard those reports from our uh, St. Louis station. We have a big 100,000 watt station in St. Louis. And uh, they heard those reports, and it gripped their heart. And uh, so the policeman and his wife, they also are musical, but they wrote a song, and they sent it to us. And I want you to listen to it now, folks because it'll, it, it's, 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 it'll set the stage for the whole program.
2: Did you hear a baby cry in Wichita today? Did something tug inside your heart as a life was torn away? Do situations trouble you where people take a stand? Don't you hear the thunder rumbling Across that troubled land Is knowing right from wrong enough To satisfy your soul Or should it take commitment For God's people to behold Clouds of darkness gather up. What will we say and do? What Christian witness persevere if left to me and you? If such a strengthen Jeremiah against the world's wicked ways? Can we arm ourselves with righteous words to fight the coming gloom? And didn't God declare I knew you well before I formed you in the To lose its saltiness. Where will the difference be? We'll ride. inside your heart
1: as a life was torn away ah and there is the question uh, did you hear a baby cry in st louis did you hear a baby cry in memphis did you hear a baby cry in nashville how about fort wayne indiana how about up through south dakota did you hear a baby cry that is the haunting the haunting conclusion to that song And that is a question to each of us today, isn't it, Rich?
0: And do you feel that tugging on your heart?
1: I tell you what, when there's been a lot of silence, and um, Pastor Lawrence White from Houston, Texas, is going to tell us now about the sin of silence. When your church says, oh, well, we believe this, that, or the other thing, but the people in the church are never given a chance to have a Saturday meeting or a Sunday night meeting or anything where they are instructed, where they're taught, where they're having an opportunity of discussion? How, how can you say that you preach the whole gospel to people then that really are not having learning from their church what to do in applying what they're hearing when they go to church? It's the application of the gospel in your time, in your season, in your situation, that really uh, gives the church its meaning um, um, in in, in any given period of time. Is that right, Rich?
0: Right. So so you know how to confront evil in your own generation, in your own time.
1: Well, Lawrence White preached this message many years ago. So for you listeners that are asking for this message to be brought again— This is for you for speaking up and reminding me the message is important. Here it is.
3: I've been traveling across the length and breadth of this great land over the last few years, talking primarily to pastors' groups, seeking to awaken and arouse God's spokesmen among us to be what God has called them to be, to preach His word without apology, without hesitation. Without reluctance. And so I was very pleased to have the opportunity to take my two sons, Adam, who's 23, and Aaron, who's 20, with me on a trip to Germany. As a Lutheran Christian, that's where my historic and theological roots are, and I wanted the boys to see where they came from and to get some context, I guess you could call it. A setting in which to evaluate and assess what's happening in our country and in their lives. And so we flew out of Houston on Christmas Day. We landed in Berlin. And one afternoon we rented a van and we drove out into the countryside about 35 kilometers or so northeast of Berlin to a little farming community called Oranienberg. Not much there, a couple of taverns, a couple of gas stations, a few houses. That's about it. Nobody would ever have heard of that little town were it not for the fact that Heinrich Himmler chose Oranienberg as the site of one of his prototype concentration camps, a horrible place called Sachsenhausen. It means the home of the Saxons. I took the boys there that day because I wanted them to see what had happened to this great Christian nation, this homeland of the Reformation, almost overnight. And the boys grew quiet as we walked across the vast expanse where the barracks once stood that held hundreds of thousands of prisoners. During the twelve years of the Hitler Reich, we saw the bales of human hair and the piles of children's shoes. We went to the medical laboratories where gruesome experiments were conducted on living human beings without anesthetic because they were not viewed as human because of their race or their language. And finally we walked to the back where far in the corner the crematorium once stood the oven where they burned the bodies of the dead and out in front of it was a grotesque wrought iron statue of two emaciated inmates hauling the dead body of one of their cohorts toward the gaping doors of the oven the building itself had actually collapsed they'd buried so many people underneath it that the foundations had been undermined but the metal supports that once held those ovens were still there. And as we came up there, three days after Christmas, in front of the doorway to that crematorium, there was a withered Christmas wreath with a white ribbon on it. And the slogan on that ribbon said, from the Christians of Germany, we kneel before God in bitter regret and humble repentance, and we ask his forgiveness for the Jews and all the others who died in this place. And as we turned to walk away, out across the compound once again, my 20-year-old Aaron put his arm around me in the condescending way that sons have with their fathers. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, you need to keep giving those speeches that you've been giving. And I felt good. Because for the first time, my boys understood within the depths of their hearts what's happening in America today. But there in Sachsenhausen, for the very first time, they saw for themselves how much is at stake in our America and how desperately important these issues are and how much we stand to lose if we do not awaken and rouse ourselves quickly. That the people of God in Christ cannot disengage from the culture in which they live. We cannot withdraw to the comfortable security of our beautiful sanctuaries and sit in our padded pews while the world all around us goes to hell. For to do so is a betrayal of the Lord whose name we bear. And it is a denial of the power and the efficacy of his word, the word that he has given us to proclaim. In Germany, as here in the United States, one of the most clever tools in the enemy's arsenal used to silence and intimidate Christians, to drive them out of the public square, was the lie of the separation of church and state. There was a meeting held in the German capital city of Berlin in 1934. Hitler had been chancellor for just over a year at that point. He was taking the nation through a process which in German was called Gleichschaltung, That means coordination everything was being realigned in terms of national socialist philosophy and that included the churches and protests had begun to rise from the people of God about this interference in the church and its life and so Hitler called together the most important preachers in the land and he gathered them there at the Reich's chancellery to reassure them and to intimidate them if he could to silence their criticism so that he could go on with his plans for the country. And Hitler moved through the crowd that day, patting the preachers on the back, making them feel important, smiling and reassuring. He told them their state subsidies would continue, their tax exemptions were secure, that the church had nothing to fear from a Nazi government. And finally, one brash young preacher who was there, Martin Niemöller was his name, had had enough. Today we'd call him politically incorrect. He was going to tell the truth even if that truth was not popular. And he pushed his way to the front of the room until he stood eye to eye with the German dictator. And he said, Herr Hitler, our concern is not for the church. Jesus Christ will take care of his church. Our concern is for the soul of our nation. It was immediately evident that the brash young preacher spoke only for himself as a chagrin silence fell over that room. And his colleagues hustled him away from the front hitler with a natural politician's instinct saw that reaction and he understood exactly what it meant and he smiled as he said to himself almost reflectively the soul of germany you can leave that to me and they did they kept their religion and their politics strictly separate from one another and as the innocent were slaughtered and the nation was led down the path to destruction They looked the other way, and they minded their own business, and their country was destroyed. I would submit to you today that we in America find ourselves in a frighteningly similar predicament. Once again, the innocent are being slaughtered in a 26-year holocaust that makes Hitler look like a humanitarian by comparison. Once again, The nation is being led down the path to destruction and once again, by and large, God's people are looking the other way. I don't have to tell anyone in this room tonight how far down that path to destruction we've already traveled. You see the evidence in families that are fractured and marriages that are broken, in young people that lose their way and often their lives in a maze of alcohol and drugs in a culture that can no longer distinguish between lust and love that is willing to tolerate the vilest perversion as alternate acceptable lifestyle while pestilence stalks the land in public schools that have become facilitators for fornication and procures for the abortionist knife in a nation that has lost the moral will to distinguish between that which is right and that which is wrong we know all too well How far down that road to destruction we have already gone and that's because in large part every time a Christian particularly a Christian pastor raises his voice on a matter of public policy the immediate hue and cry from the media from the political and educational elite and establishment is wait a minute we have the separation of church and state in this country you Christians you keep your morality to yourselves as history repeats itself they smile reassuringly as they tell us the soul of America you can leave that to us and we have brothers and sisters the time has come and is long since past, when we stopped listening to and being immobilized by these lies from the father of lies this is the genius of America the recognition that a country like ours a country where the people rule must be a country where morality prevails but that's not the kind of country that we have seen developing all around us every day that's not the kind of country we read about when we pick up the newspapers every morning America has forgotten who she is And if she does not remember soon it will be too late in the 1830s a french nobleman named alexis de tocqueville came from europe to this new land to see what it was that gave america its vitality and its strength and he toured across this country he saw all that there was to see and when it was done he summed it up in these impassioned words he said i sought the key To the greatness and the genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields, in her boundless forests, in her rich mines, in her vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it in her democratic congress and in her matchless constitution, but it was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understood the secret of her genius and her power. America is great, de Tocqueville said, because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then she will also cease to be great. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is an offense to any people. There is that indissoluble connection between greatness and goodness, upon which this country was built. We have severed that connection over the last few decades. We have sown the wind of immorality, and we are reaping the whirlwind of destruction and death. And we, God's people in Christ, have been placed here by the Lord for such a time as this. America will not turn from the path of destruction. Until the Christians of this land stop blending in and going along. We have become a chameleon church. We can blend in anywhere. We can go along with anything no matter how perverse it may be. Just so long as no one figures out that we are sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. For then we might have to endure the scorn and the ridicule of the world. We must stop compromising and yielding We must be sure that it is the Lord Jesus for whom we stand. But of this one thing, we can be absolutely certain. The Lord God Almighty hates the murder of innocent unborn children. We can win the next election or the next ten elections. We can balance the budget, we can reduce the deficit, we can bring down taxes and build the mightiest military machine on the face of the earth. But if we do not stop abortion then God will destroy and God should destroy America. Abortion is an unholy altar that we have raised up to pagan gods of our own lust and greed and the blood of more than 35 million innocent unborn children cries out to God for justice from the ground of America. And the day is coming soon when God will heed that cry. And when he does, woe to us. On that great day of reckoning, it will not be enough to say, Lord, we were in church every Sunday. We built great churches in your name. We raised millions of dollars in your name. On that great day of reckoning to those who stood silent while the killing went on, the Lord will say, Depart from me, you cursed ones, for I do not know you. But in the amazing grace, the incredible mercy and long-suffering of our wonderful God, that day has not yet come. America may have turned her back on God, but God, for some reason, has not yet turned his back on America. So let us work while it is still day, before the night comes, when no man can work. Let us rouse the Christians of this city and of this land to be what God has called and enabled them to be. The stinging salt that stops the decay of death. The shining light that dispels the darkness of doubt and despair. The gleaming city set high upon a hill. It stands as a beacon light of life and hope to this nation and to every nation. Let us learn from the mistakes of the past. Let us stand upon the Word of God. Let us save this country that we claim to love as we become involved in the process, in this crucial moment that God has given us. God is placing before us a challenge before it is too late, and I pray that we will find within the depths of our hearts and souls the courage and the faith to rise to that challenge and make the most of that opportunity. It is within our power because God has placed it there. It is within our grasp to change this America before it is too late, to snatch our country back from the brink of destruction, all the signs of the deadly decay all around us, Are unmistakably clear our nation's leaders wallow in decadence and deceit while the polls tell us that people don't care and apathy and indifference prevails we must care as the people of God in Christ we must be the salt and the light and the shining city as Christians gathered here today let us resolve not to repeat the mistakes of the past let us resolve not to allow evil men to triumph simply because good men have done nothing. Let us stand together as the people of God, bold in the confidence of the Spirit, and declare before our nation, the soul of America. You can leave that to us. Thank you.
1: Well, that was, um, that was um, Dr. Lawrence White, the pastor, of our Savior Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. There's no doubt that his congregation knows where he stands and where their church stands on that subject.
0: It's a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. Well,
1: that's right. Now, the listener comment line is what, Rich?
0: one eight hundred three 345 We'd love to hear from you. one eight hundred three four five All right, now
1: here's one of our listeners.
0: My
2: name is Marion, and I live in northeast Oklahoma, and I just discovered
0: BOT Radio about a year and a half ago, and I listen all the time in the car, and I just really enjoy Adrian Rogers and Chuck Swindoll. I just pray that the Lord blesses the Bot family,
2: and that uh, the kingdom grows,
0: and we remain strong and courageous.
1: Well, that's the idea. That's the idea. Have we got a man rich? We do. Here he is. Yeah, this is Jerry from Bellevue, Nebraska. I just thank you so much for having this radio station throughout the country. I pray each day that more and more people will listen to you, because you are definitely a boom to America, to the public that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, that's why we're in business, isn't it, Rich? To interact and encourage and inform.
0: Here's, here's one more. Thank you, Bot Radio, for all that you do. I listen in Oklahoma City. Uh, my favorite ministries are Jay Vernon McGee and Pastor Jack Hibbs. In fact, I arrive at work an hour early so that my commute is during their broadcast. I really appreciate what you do.
1: All right. Well, God bless you. Our time is gone. This is Dick Bot with my son, Rich, with this chapter, of The Complete Story, as a public service. We'll see you later.